0: Hey guys, Jen here, still Allie, and we first of all wanted to say hello, welcome to two girls one podcast, but also as we start this episode on cheap old houses, we wanted to just be 100% clear that we recorded this on April 24th well before many social and political developments have happened, you know, in May and June. So when we speak about quarantine and current events, uh, please just keep that in
1: mind. If we sound kind of casual, it's because things were a little more casual. We also wanted to let you know that we here at Two Girls, One Podcast. I know if you look at our thumbnail, we're two white girls, but uh, we're trying hard not to be a couple of Karens. We support Black Lives Matter. And this cause we think is super important. We've made donations, you know, in our own lives um, and we're trying to do what we can. And we hope that you are, too.
0: So if you're able to spare a few dollars to support a cause, uh, please first consider donating to a cause that supports Black Lives Matter or related causes. So, I'm a member of the ACLU and I continually support them. Matt has shared with us that his family is supporting a few causes, including the Black Legal Defense Fund, the bailout project. Um, Ali, how about you? What are you supporting?
1: Yeah, you just reminded me that I do a monthly contribution to ACLU. And then I also made a donation to Reclaim the Block and Black Lives Matter the overall organization, you know, I spent like an hour researching nonprofits and like trying to figure out what was best. And then I went with what everyone else is doing. Interesting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We will definitely stick those links in the show notes if you would like to check them out. And again, please share your links with us.
1: And speaking of donations, we do still want to take a moment to thank our own donors. I know maybe it's an awkward time, but they still need to be thanked. Chris Harrison. Jerry Duran. Jessica Fox. Melissa Elliott. James Dozier. Christopher Latch. Kathy Phillips. And William. He has no last name. He's like Beyonce or Madonna. He's that good.
0: <laughs> Very cool, William. <laughs> uh,
1: normally, we would say, please uh, visit our Patreon, patreon.com slash 2G1P and make a contribution. But, but for we now, don't want you to do that. <laughs> we want I mean, we you <laughs> to go support Black Lives Matter. So, yeah, <laughs> if you have so much money that you, like, don't know what to do with it, donate to, like, 15 Black Lives Matter causes and then give us a dollar. How about that? Sounds good. For our like super rich listeners, there's gotta be like a yeah. handful.
2: Bezos listens. I have it on a good authority. You that know what? Bezos, if that fucker uh, only gives us a dollar,
1: listen. he's dead to me. <laughs> Amount of shit I order on Amazon, it's terrible. Actually, I also want to say I bought uh, the book White Fragility from a black-owned bookstore, so that's something else, guys. Go support black-owned businesses tonight. My roommate and I are ordering in from a black-owned restaurant, so that's one other small thing that I think people can incorporate in their daily lives: order from a black-owned store instead of Amazon, unless you need it in two days. I don't know. It's a tricky world. As we said, uh, you're about to hear the the episode that we recorded a few weeks ago. Please keep in mind that's when we recorded it, and we hope that it is a delightful break from the world burning. Thank you so much.
3: If there's one thing Two Girls, One Podcast is known for, it's real estate advice. Who can forget that time Ali and Jen sold their winter home in Malibu for Bitcoin? cheapest and oldest hosts in podcasting, Jennifer Jamula and Alison
0: Goldberg. Hi guys, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. Allie and I are performers. We used our the internet as our script in a show that we had called Log Logs. It was a live comedy show. Uh, we got curious about who are these people behind this post that we're performing for all these years. We created a web series called two girls one show that you can find on who And now we've translated this all into two girls one podcast where we are talking to people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find really interesting. Um, And we hope you will, too. Uh, Today is something you might already be familiar with because it is so popular. Uh, But before we tell you what it is, I just wanted to say, hi, Allie. Hi, Matt.
2: How's it going?
1: Oh, you know. (laughs) Are you okay?
2: Do do we? Do we know?
1: Just hanging out in quarantine. (laughs) Another day. Yeah. How's your onesie doing? Well, I've transitioned into a summer onesie.
0: Okay, a, sum, a sumsy.
1: Mm-hmm, yes, yes, a sumsy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's my update. It's my big break in news. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic, Matt, Matt, what's going on over there? <laughs> are
0: you
2: uh, in a onesie? I, I am not in a onesie, okay. but uh, I, my, I, my beard is slightly longer than last Ooh. week, but that's about it.
1: I would really like to see that. How long um. are you going to grow your beard? I'm enjoying watching everyone's beard during quarantine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How long are you going to grow it?
2: Uh, I'm just going to let it go, but I do tidy it up. So it's, you know, it's not the actual length. It would be au naturel. I want to see
1: au naturel beards. And then I want people to start braiding them and like doing hairstyles. (laughs) This is what I need for quarantine. Mm -hmm. When does my Instagram become Mm -hmm. overwhelmed with beard art? (laughs) And then everybody should shave them on the same day. So we're
0: all just like in a state of shock.
2: Uh, Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Some heroes are probably taking a photo a day and then they're going to do the time lapse of like, yeah. here's every, here's from when we start you quarantine and heroes? here's the day. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay, yes. cool. There, Just there wanted will be to...
2: viral social media posts on the day that our government says, we're free. We did it, guys. Yeah. And that will go, that will be the day when they shave off the beard.
0: Got it. Well- Speaking of social media, today we are talking to a behemoth in the world of Instagram. Um, Perhaps you have all seen uh, the account Cheap Old Houses. It's run by Elizabeth Finkelstein, who's joining us today. She's the creator of the account. But basically, this account posts historic houses that are for sale, most of which are under $100,000, which is pretty incredible.
2: It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like this account will get increasingly popular as these weeks continue. So cheap old houses, guys. <laughs> well, Matt, you live in an old house. How old is your house? How cheap was your house? What in you in pay a, for it? <laughs> a, a
2: not a not cheap uh, old house. How, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, you know, we live in the suburbs of New York on Long Island, so it's it's you know among the more expensive markets, and we don't live in a fancy town, but uh, ours was. 400 something maybe 450 475 so you know close to five.
1: Oh wow he really uh, did is, just tell us uh, p- house price i thought i was there? just fucking with you but I,
2: I mean i'm sure i'm sure you could look it up all this stuff That's is true, like Redfin. public uh public inf- yeah well exactly. yeah but people have to um, know
1: where you live to look it up i could look it
2: up yeah, yeah but <laughs> you have my address and you could find it Um, yeah, we adore our house. It was built in the thirties, I want to say early thirties. So it's not like, you know, colonial or anything, but we, we got into the house and we have done a ton of renovation to it, but we love, we try to preserve the aesthetic of the original house. And we learned when we, um, moved in that it was the previous owners were in the carpenters union. It was a lot, it was a family of very handy people. So like Everywhere in the house, there are shelves and compartments and hooks and things that were like DIY in I the house, that. but That's like really, lucky. really nice, like really like professional quality. And we we have tried to preserve as many of those little features as possible. Oh, we, we how lucky.
1: That's so cool. One of the many things that makes me sad about Manhattan is that- the apartments used to have incredible architectural details and then they gut them and turn them into these cookie cutter places and you know, in addition to dividing up the rooms and making them teeny tiny. But my my yeah. aunts are uh in their sixties and live in New York and have this like amazing crew of like fabulous artist friends in their sixties, and they their apartments have these amazing architectural details still. And it's so sad that well, the list is really dark, but when they're when they're gone, all those apartments will be gutted as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, my brother lives in Philadelphia, and he's in his forties, and he was in an old carriage house that, that was part's tiny. Weird. <laughs> what the, car- the
1: carriage house? Now that your brother's in his forties, what's
0: happening? Oh yeah, that is weird. That is weird. Um, but it was it has like I don't I don't even know what it is, but it was like metal objects hanging on the wall that were somehow associated with being a carriage house. Old brick, and then like sometimes you would find like objects in the brick. Like, we one time found that like the weird, like little head of a tiny doll, (laughs) just like (laughs) very old from it looked like from the 50s or something like that. Wait,
1: yeah, it's just a very old place. You found the head of a tiny doll,
0: (laughs) yeah, it was like a little old time Barbie or something. Um, but anyway, he's lived in that for a long time. He was renting it or no no he owns it he owns it but he was then able to buy um another carriage house next to him eventually after being in that place for like 15 years and he and his wife now live there and he renovated the whole thing by himself is what i was trying to get to all through youtube videos which i think is something people are doing these days yeah
1: fucking youtube
0: yeah and i mean it's still he like only has one bathroom the other bathrooms like not functioning like there's stuff they're gonna have to do over time what's he
1: using the bathroom as before it's functioning
0: it's a place for their cats.
1: <laughs> they're <laughs> big cat people, and it's like the cat palace back there. Because, <laughs> um, like, I have friends where, like, you can't use one of their bathrooms. The bathroom works, but it's because they're growing a lot of weed in there. So oh, I was just it is wondering. Not that. <laughs> okay. It's really
0: cats. No, it's not that, but that's Got interesting. It. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. But, like, he figured out how to make a countertop on YouTube, like pouring that's concrete. Unbelievable. I just, I have so much respect for that. I feel like I don't feel like I have have the confidence to do something like that. I
1: wouldn't even know what to Google.
2: (laughs) Right.
0: Right. Exactly.
2: But it's like the stakes of that, meaning I guess, and maybe he's handy and, and knows his, knows what's good information and bad information. But even if you're following a tutorial, like you fuck it up, that's a, $2000 countertop that you then either lose the money or you have to live with a shitty countertop. Like if I'm yeah, learning how to, even you know, build my furniture
1: on my own. I
0: right.
2: Uh, exactly. Like yeah. that's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I have so much respect for that. And he must feel so proud to like live in a space
1: that he created. Yeah, <laughs> Basically, I think he you put up the walls. I, I, I think if you did yeah. know how to do it, it would be it would be cool. But I am yeah, like not cool. visually artistic in any way whatsoever, and I feel like you need some like visual sense as well yeah Yeah.
3: spatial yeah Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. i have however put googly eyes on the plants at home so everything's fine (laughs) over here
3: okay uh...
0: you're getting pretty serious about that (laughs) (laughs) like what's the weirdest object you have a googly eye on because i know it's not just the plant (laughs)
1: Why? Because I sent you photos.
0: You sent me a photo of a candle with some googly eyes yeah, on it. Yeah, I've been
1: putting googly <laughs> eyes on things. I also tried to surprise my roommate. I don't know if she was amused or not, but I, I started putting googly eyes on some of the vegetables in the vegetable drawer just to... <laughs>
2: that's, that's great. Yeah.
1: Just, just so when she opened it, she'd be like, what a weirdo. <laughs> what are you doing yeah, to you my could, vegetables? You open the
2: drawer and then you're just hearing like, oh, hello there.
1: <laughs> hello little name tags on them, little signs. Don't eat me. <laughs> I want to live. <laughs> She's going to be like, fuck you. You want to have, have dinner family. or what? My roommate's been making amazing dinners every night, so I really shouldn't fuck around with this.
3: <laughs> Don't get in the way Just that. be yeah. good. Sit
1: down.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of YouTube videos teaching us how to fix up our old houses, I have some trivia for you.
1: Do you? What a surprise.
2: I, I mean... Know if you're expecting it or no not. i have it's, to say it's the podcast is like
1: the one great thing in quarantine because i'm like oh this has not really changed except for increased technical difficulties
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh remember the world before youtube what would you do if you wanted to learn something um probably get fucked (laughs) Uh, or you could turn to the good people at pbs and the long-running television show this old house do you remember it
0: i heard of it but i've never seen it that's bob vila
2: bob Mm vila yeah
0: yeah he used to be on home improvement as a special guest sometimes i remember
2: him Ah, growing up sure sure This Old House was the beginning of everything in media, especially nationwide media, of, hey, let's show how to fix things or how we approach these technical problems inside a house and rewire this or put the new countertop in. It it was the first of its kind, way before YouTube, of course. It debuted in 1979, however, the show was actually very controversial among home repair contractors. Why was it so upsetting to to these folks? Your choices are A, professional contractors thought that the show, again the first of its kind doing this, would give away all of their secrets and put them out of work. That's choice A. Choice B, the contractor industry did not want Bob Vila, a somewhat openly gay man, to represent their industry on national television. Or C, Bob Vila had been quoted in a magazine a year prior to the show's debut as being somewhat anti-union, and contractors hated him for that.
0: Ooh, I'm going to go with anti-union. Uh, sorry, Ellie, were you going to say that as well? No,
1: that's okay. I'll go with B okay people love hating the gays so I'm gonna go with B
0: <laughs> yeah I don't mean to stereotype union workers but we filmed something our web series years ago with some union people on there and I mean obviously it was a different union but they like we bitches. did like one th- <laughs> <laughs> they, were,
1: they, were, they
0: were really stringent with like what we could and couldn't do even like in our own apartments when we were filming things there so anyway yeah, was really cool. uh, I'm gonna go with C
2: yeah, 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 <laughs> I, I, yeah. I feel you. I, I am, I am a pro-union person, but then when I encounter the hurdles of, of casting union actors, I'm like, I, I, so, I, we can't, can't do it. Sorry, I cannot employ you because there are too many rules. Well, and fees that whole
1: and system stuff. is broken, but that's another, another podcast.
2: Yes. <laughs> All right. Allie goes with hating on the gays, and Jen goes with uh, the anti-union sentiments. We will find out the correct reason why this old house caused a kerfuffle in 1979
3: when we return. And now a real advertisement entitled, Let's Move to Alaska, M4W, from the website that definitely isn't used to recruit for cults, Craigslist.
1: I am a 55-year-old man, or should I say young guy, I am looking for a wonderful woman to move to Alaska with me and live off the land. Let's make our own reality show. Come join me in the wilderness. Hopefully you're into freaky sex. Call if you're interested. Also must love children. Come on, girl, let's do this. Call your future hubby. Think about it. Wouldn't Alaska be awesome? We build it all on our own. We fuck our brains out and have a blast and maybe some children will come out of the situation. It's nice to dream. You never know what hat God has in store to my future sweetheart. Dial that number.
0: Do you think that's how like Alaskan Bush people started? Have you seen that reality show? <laughs> that's basically <laughs> well, what like that? what it. it's like people living in Alaska off the grid, families. But I think they've been there for a long time. They didn't like, move there
1: they didn't like but post they're... on craigslist that they're looking for no <laughs>
0: <laughs> no as romantic as that would have been i don't think that's how it started <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> that ad like wasn't too different from an opening tinder message that's true, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. yeah sadly all right <laughs> can we have the trivia is it
2: yes. trivia time You may. Today's trivia is about this old house, the long-running PBS television show about home repair, debuting in 1979. Why was it controversial when it came on the air? Uh, Your choices were... A, professional contractors thought it would give away their secrets.
1: That one's boring.
2: Kind of boring. B, uh, they were not really comfortable with Bob Vila being somewhat openly gay. Or C, Vila was uh, expressing some anti-union sentiment and contractors did not care for that. Jen went with anti-union. C, Ali went with uh, B. What is it? What is it? (laughs) The correct answer is... I'm sorry to spread rumors that Bob Vila is uh, gay. I don't know that he is or isn't, but uh, <laughs> there's there's no reason to think he you is. You
1: just made that shit up?
2: Made that up. Uh, and uh, Bob Vila, I do, do not know any of his political leanings on unions. The correct answer is A, wow. before the world of TV reality shows and YouTube DIY videos, there was nothing else like this in the universe. And professionals were like, oh my God, Like w- we will not this is going to give away everything. We're going to go, we're going to go out of business, which of course was not the case, but uh, that was the fear. It was like uh, a magician giving up their magic tricks was was the analogy that people were were using at the time.
0: That's so funny. They thought that people would feel capable enough to do all of that themselves or like have sure. the equipment. Yeah, different times.
2: There's a quote uh, here in, uh, the source of this is Boston Magazine uh, from 2009. It's an oral history of the show. Uh, contractors would say, why are you doing this? And I think this is one of the producers uh, of the show. They would hear that a lot. Uh, and they made the case that if people understood uh, the skill of these tradespeople, they would value it more and they would understand like, hey, well, sure, I could do this myself, but you know, I actually physically can't. So I'm willing to pay for a professional to come in. And lo and behold, like that clearly is what panned out. Uh, so they had to co- kind of quell that uh, concern before as the show took shape
1: so interesting yeah it it is interesting just because you know na- now that's a crazy idea in the world of youtube right
2: yeah right. yeah and and analogous to other things that we have seen of like oh this technology is going to put all these people out of work and but did it really and things actually changed they didn't you know didn't disrupt the businesses the same way uh-huh. i love that kind of stuff <laughs>
0: All right. Well, let's get into the world of reno, cheap old houses. Um, We are so excited to have our guest with us. She is the creator of the account Cheap Old Houses. She's also a preservation expert. Please welcome Elizabeth Finkelstein. Welcome, Elizabeth.
4: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: We're so happy to have you. So first of all, how are you doing? It's a crazy time. (laughs)
4: <laughs> it's definitely a crazy time you know I work from home anyway so my actually my husband and I both work from home so not much has changed on that front for us we're, we're basically quarantined all the time together anyway so wow. we're just like wow now the rest of the world knows what it's like and our son is home with us so that adds like an extra element um sure of balancing <laughs> but we have been a few of the lucky ones. Lovely. Yeah.
1: Well, we're about to get into it, but your the houses you're posting look even better during quarantine.
4: Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a place I can hang. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's so funny because people are always like, "Well, why would you move there? There are no jobs." And I'm kind of like, "Well, really, are there jobs anywhere? Why don't you move?" Yeah. There now? now it's so- like
1: super <laughs> appealing. Like when I first found the grandma, I was like, "This is crazy." Now I'm like, "Yep, let's get it." Looks pretty good. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah wander through those rooms. So for those who are not
0: familiar with the account, although I think at this point, a lot of people, many, many have seen it. um, How would you describe it, Elizabeth?
4: I mean, in its basic form, it's um, a feed of houses for sale across the country, though occasionally I do Canada and um, abroad. And all the houses are for sale for under $100,000. So and they're not just any house, they are houses that are kind of beautiful architectural relics. And I try to look for things that are very original because I think that people don't want cookie cutter houses. I certainly don't want a cookie cutter house. And I think if you're going to buy into a fixer upper project, you want it to be something that is really special. So I look for houses that are for sale for very inexpensive, but have incredible architectural detail intact.
0: Very cool. All right, So we would love to hear a little bit of background in the whole story, kind of a little bit about your background as a preservationist and what brought you to create this account in the first place.
4: Oh, my gosh. It's such a long story. I grew up in an old house. Old houses are in my blood. Um, My husband has an old house in his family. His mother grew up on a 200-acre farm in New Hampshire. So he has always had this kind of nostalgia about old houses. I grew up in an old house that I watched my parents restore with their own two hands. And to me, I've just been a person that can't imagine living in anything but an old house because, you know, not only is the character so amazing and, you know, in so many ways, you're just kind of part of a larger story. And I think that's just really a beautiful thing, but also kind of from the project side of things, like there's always something to work on. There's always something to do. You're never bored. You're always learning and you, and you know, your home, like the back of your hand and, You know, so a home is not just a place to kind of go rest your feet, but it's a place that is kind of an endless source of creative inspiration for you. And that's kind of the mentality I grew up with, just watching my parents work on the house I grew up in. Long story short, they were, they went to sell it. Um, I started a website called Circa, circa circaoldhouses.com, which is a real estate listings website for historical homes for sale across the country. Um, and, And that's kind of my baby. And I've been doing that for a while, but I've always had kind of a love for fixer uppers. I think whether you'd consider yourself an old house person or not, you cannot drive by that big Victorian fixer upper by the side of the road and not wonder about it and want to stop and look at it. And, and there's, there's some visceral reaction in everybody that's like, what is going on? Like this kind of need to save it. Um, and I think that that kind of resonates with a lot of people. And I started a column on Circa, on Circa's blog, um, that was 10 under 50K, where I would just write about houses for sale for under $50,000 every month. And it, it went viral every month. People just loved this column. And then people started kind of sending me houses. And then I had like, you know, I was writing like 25 under 50K and 100 under 50K. And it just got so... And then I started to feel this this kind of personal responsibility to make sure these houses fell into the right hands. Because in so many cases... You know, the realtors are not hiring professional photographers to take photos of $15,000 houses. They don't have it in the budget. And and so many times these houses are in economically depressed areas where they haven't had the money to flip the house or renovate the kitchen or do anything to the bathroom. So everything is original. So it's this like amazing combination of houses that are like perfectly intact and so underappreciated. And I just felt this need to kind of throw them out there. And I started to accumulate so many. That I just was like, well, I'm starting an Instagram feed called Cheap Old Houses because that's what it is. And I'm going to throw them out there. That was, I think in 2016, I started the feed. So I've been doing it for about four years now, maybe three and a half years. I'm surprised at how many people follow it, but I'm not surprised that people are attracted to the potential in these houses. Um, And that how many kind of artists and creative people follow me because it's there's just something magical about looking at these, you know, these photos and imagining what could be.
0: That's something I was wondering about with your audience, like it definitely feels aspirational yet attainable. So do you think like the majority of people are looking at them sort of as a fantasy, like a what if maybe? Or do you like truly have a lot of people reaching out and and being interested in living in these places?
4: (laughs) I think it's both. Um, There are I have a hashtag cheap old houses saved, where people have actually like, up and moved across the country because of a house they saw on this feed, which is crazy to me.
0: (laughs) That's nuts. I'm,
4: it's like, it just makes me so happy. Actually, New York Magazine wrote a piece on it, and it was like profiling six people that had done it. And that was just very cool to kind of see, wow, I mean, the impact it's having, which is amazing. I think the dreamers are just as important. I think there are a lot of us that are you know i think home especially to a certain generation uh, a lot of millennials follow me it's instagram so it's not surprising but i i'm i've been able to tap into kind of a younger generation of people who feel that home ownership is unattainable to them it's it's so expensive it's so complicated And they're in major debt. I mean, just beginning with student loans when you're so young, you're already in such debt that you you don't feel that this something like this is a possibility for you. So to be sitting in your cubicle in a job that's pushing papers around and see something that you can actually afford and you can actually work on and use your hands and nurture and do something fulfilling and satisfying, it's it's very alluring and it's kind of this interesting form of escapism that I think the feed really taps into.
1: Okay, I have a bunch of questions along that line. Okay, so first <laughs> of all, you said the cou- the houses cost less than 50K, but do you know what the average fix-up cost is? Like, do people really realize, when they when they buy it sight unseen, like, do they really know what they're getting into? Like, that's what I'm wondering.
4: So just to clarify, the houses yeah. that I was writing about on Circa, that was that column was under 50K, but when I started Cheap Old Houses, I moved it up to $100,000. Okay. So all the houses are under 100, which is still, you know, Pretty cheap in most parts of the country. You know, a lot of people say, well, so what? It's, but look, that's going to require, you know, $400,000 worth of work. But you know what? One of the biggest obstacles to home ownership right now are closing costs. And if you can, if there are people, the people who follow this feed, enjoy the idea of doing work. I say this every time I talk to someone about this feed, there are people who would choose to go to the beach on a Saturday in the summertime. And there are people who would choose to stay home and do house projects. And those are my people. There are people who (laughs) want the project who find that immensely satisfying. And, you know, we live in a time when you can research how to do anything online. I think in a way, this idea that it's like the American dream, like buy a big house, have it all set up and looking like a you know, Instagram feed in the first week that you own it is completely ridiculous. I think that when you buy these houses, you buy them because you want to live in them long term and work on them. And you might live with a crappy kitchen for 15 years, and that's perfectly fine. And then when you're ready to do that kitchen, you know, you know, the house inside and out, you know exactly what you want. And that's okay.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love that. And we just tear down old things and don't, you know, it's so obvious, but like actually care for them and make them beautiful. So we're curious, like, how do you find these gems, these homes? And what standards do you have for posting something on the account?
4: Well, I look at real estate listings all day long. I'm obsessed. My husband and I, my husband runs this feed with me and he is also obsessed. I mean, we've been real estate junkies for as long as (laughs) I can remember. And when I lived in New York city, I thought it was just maybe because I was a New Yorker and I think New Yorkers talk about real estate all the time. They love it. Uh And then when we left New York city, I was, I was still like talking about it all the time. You know, we have been looking for a cheap old house of our own forever So I, it's, it's kind of selfish. Like I'm always just kind of interested. I just love looking at these things. So in my free time, I scour listings. I also, I write the real estate section for Country Living Magazine. And so I'm always looking at real estate listings for them. I also run Circa, which is a listings website. So people are sending me listings there all the time. And then on Instagram, I have like hundreds of DMs every day from people because we're known as the cheap old house people. And every time anybody sees something, they send it to us. So I have a stockpile of these houses. Um, I mean, it's very rare that someone sends me something I haven't already seen because I'm just in it constantly. And it's, I just love that I've been able to make a job out of something like this because it's like, it's so fun and it's what I like love to do anyway. And I'm able to make money doing it, which is crazy and exciting
0: to me. That's so cool. So like a whole community has popped up of people just kind of like on the lookout for these places for you.
4: Oh my gosh. Yes. It's definitely become like a bigger movement. And it's funny how many like copycat feeds have popped up, like cheap old this, cheap old that, cheap old houses, uh, Australia, cheap old houses. I hope you trademarked (laughs) it. So, and then, you know, in terms of criteria, I, I want original detail. I, you know, you said I could drop the F bomb and the only F bomb on my feed is the word flipped. I hate when people <laughs> go into houses and and just gut them and then, you know, don't even live in them, don't care about the community and make them look like, you know, a Home Depot aisle and then leave and then, you know, 200 years of history is gone for absolutely no reason. I would rather see a house that's like moldy and rotting and falling down but in its original state than like a perfectly good grayish and vinyl side it has like that's just you know so that's like a disqualification for me right off the bat if it's been kind of over renovated in that sense
0: we know nothing about this would you be willing to give us a little bit of like a preservationist 101 like just going into a house what are some details we should be looking at potentially preserving
4: oh my gosh this is oh this is a long thing well it really depends (laughs) on the style there are You're talking to like a total house nerd. So, okay.
1: We know nothing. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I come from the traditional world of preservation. I have a master's degree in historic preservation and I worked in preservation advocacy for a long time in New York City. And I'm very careful to kind of only use words on cheap old houses that everybody can understand and connect to. Because I think that people, I compare it to wine a lot. I think people say like, well, I don't really know wine. I don't understand wine. And I'm like, well, do you like the taste of it? Then you know why, you know, you, you don't have to know all the terminology or feel like you're in the club to be able to do this. And I, I think the disservice that is often done to old houses is the, is the feeling that unless you really understand them or really going to preserve them perfectly, you have no place in them. And that just says nothing for the greater cause. So what I want is for people to love these houses and for everybody to feel empowered to have one. And so I I, I try to be very celebratory and not alienate people by using a lot of like, you know, uh, preservation or architecture terminology. However, I have it in my, I have it in my head. So if you want to hear it, I can offer it out. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, you know, I think just from a general sense, it's understanding whatever house you're looking at. So looking at a house from the 1700s is completely look, different from looking at like a craftsman bungalow from the 1920s. Very different, you know, ways that the materials were constructed, you know, hand-built versus like machine-made oftentimes. I think it's working with the house. I would say if anything original is there, to try to preserve anything that's original, no matter what it is. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that people should rip out all the windows and replace them because, you know, vinyl or aluminum windows are better vinyl or aluminum windows will last 10 years then you have to throw them in a the landfill and you have to do it again. Whereas the materials that old houses were built of were meant to be repaired over time and therefore to last a long time. And a lot of times when you walk into a situation where a house has been left abandoned for so long, that hasn't been the case, which is why people think that they have to kind of start from scratch again. So it's a really case by case basis. And it really depends on what it is you're looking for. Um, Anything in an old house can be fixed. There are things that are more expensive than other things. You know, you have, you have to realize how the foundation is doing, if there's a major mold issue, you know, if there's asbestos, if there are things like that. And those are things you definitely want to, you know, have an inspector come in with you on and and, you know, think about remediating or taking care of right off the bat. I think the most important thing that a lot of people don't do, because we get very anxious when we buy a new house, we want to make it perfect right away, is you don't live, you need to live with it for a while. And there are things that you thought bothered you in the beginning, but are kind of the quirks of old houses that you realize you actually love over time. And I think if you're too quick to gut and renovate and change, you might miss kind of the deeper story and the kind of deeper thing going on. So Mm. do you have an example of that? You know, how old houses were often like over time kind of added onto and kind of patched and you have, you know, smaller, you know, quirky sized doors that were, you know, you, you can figure out the story of an old house by looking at some of the quirks and trying to figure out why they are what they are. And that's, I think, a lot of the fun of restoring one Well, you can figure out the story behind it. You know the details and why isn't this brick matching up with this brick like that's funny there seems to be like a something off there and then you realize that the, that part of the house was added a little bit later and that's why mm-hmm. you know it's like it's like searching for clues and being
0: a sleuth oh my gosh this is it's inspiring i you're making me want to get a cheap old house immediately i've been in an apartment in new york city for 14 <laughs> years
1: um jen you I- say you want to try it but i actually feel like you and adam would be so good at this this is one we've
0: talked about this doing this yeah at some point and now that we've left the city and are staying in a town somewhere we're like oh okay maybe this feels more real <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um,
4: yeah well how does yeah. it feel are you so you guys are like north are you in the castles we or something
0: we went north we got out of the state we're in new england um and are just sort of loving a small town feeling. I mean, I, it's been a month. I don't know what it would be like after this. But um it's you know very hard to be anonymous here, which is one of the bigger things that we've gotten used to. Um but just the idea that we have multiple rooms in a space together and uh it's it's really um it, it gives you a lot of peace of mind. So <laughs>
4: 100%. Yeah. It took yeah. me a long time to leave we were in Brooklyn and nothing terrible to say about Brooklyn. I loved living in Brooklyn, which is why it took me so long to leave. Um, It was extremely expensive, which is, you know, and I was pregnant and we had to get out of there. But, you know, I think once we did it, I'm kind of like, what took me so long? Like it's, it's not, it's not the center of the world. There are many other places and many other things (laughs) happening. (laughs) And so, Totally, totally. Yeah.
0: Is it true that you once listed a free home?
4: There are oftentimes houses that uh, come up for sale for free and they have to be moved. You know, in recent examples, I can think sometimes a developer buys a plot of land and there's some historical house on it and they want to tear it down. But it's, you know, meaningful to the community. So it's free if anybody can move it. I think in most cases.
1: Oh, move that's the, the house.
4: Yeah. There, I mean, rarely is oh. someone giving away a house.
1: Oh, OK. Free. OK. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, None of this yeah, had no, occurred to me.
4: Yes. And I actually did an interesting interview with a house moving company once because so many of these come up and people are like well what does it take to move a house and that was a fascinating topic like yeah what what does does does
1: it take
4: it's crazy so it's it's actually so much less to do with the house itself and more to do with the obstacles in the way between where the house is and where you need to move it to so if you live in a place where where it's very dense and there's like a lot of telephone lines You have to take every phone line. You have to like remove all that stuff out of the road, possibly.
2: So you're saying I can't move a house on TaskRabbit. That's what I'm hearing (laughs) you you say.
4: I don't don't know. TaskRabbit may have evolved a lot since I last used to build my (laughs) Ikea shelves. But uh, not yet, I don't
0: think. Okay, so we sort of just touched upon, like, leaving the city. We know you left the city. I would love to know, for people leaving city apartments and moving into homes in smaller towns around the country, what are you hearing are some of the biggest adjustments people are making? Um, Jen, have you seen the show Shits Creek? (laughs) You know, I haven't, but that would be very educational. (laughs) So, you know, what, what what are some challenges people face with that? What works well for them? Any thoughts around
1: that? Is this just Jen doing research? It's just for myself. If, if one were to theoretically live a big leave a big city and go to a tiny town, what adjustments right. should they make? <laughs> so you're asking for a friend. Okay. Yeah. So right. tell your friend. I'm, I'm asking for a friend. That friend is Jennifer. <laughs> you know, one
4: thing is that the world is really changing. And actually it's it's very interesting right now, especially. Everybody's working remotely. And it will be interesting to see. After this,
1: yes. If
4: people continue to work remotely, I mean that's one of you know when people look at a place and say, "Well, what do you do for jobs?" And then you have a job where you can work remotely. My husband and I both have jobs where we actually could both work remotely. It's nice that he has access to the city because of a lot of his clients, but it would it would totally work if we didn't, and we would figure that out. Um, and so I think the fact that people have remote jobs now make this a lot more doable for a lot of people you know, I think it depends on your political lean. I think that, you know, there are places in the country where certain people probably wouldn't want to live because of, you know, the politics. I think it just depends on you and what you, you know, whether you're, if you're looking for something, you know, on a lot of land and you have that that farmhouse dream, can you live isolated? Do you enjoy that? Um, I have to say like this whole quarantine thing, I'm I'm looking at my husband and I'm like, I kind of enjoyed like not having any social obligations. Like, does this say something terrible about me? And also, like, let's go get that farmhouse. I figured it out. I'd be totally fine. Let's go do it.
1: <laughs> we'll do research later, Jen. It's okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question. So, the people that bought have bought these houses directly after seeing your Instagram, have they reached out to you? Are you still in touch with them? I mean, are some of, are they enjoying the experience or have you also heard stories of regret where people just spontaneously pick up and leave?
4: I have not heard any stories of regret. yet. Okay. That's good. I, yes, yeah. Yes. I am in touch with most of the people who have bought them there for all I know, there could be many more. I don't know. I mean, Oh, right. I you know, the ones get... that
1: are in touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Right. But you know what, this takes a special kind of person. I, not everyone in the world is going to follow this feed there. Most people I associate with, like in my real life, not on Instagram on a day to day basis, like have no idea what, do I, what I do and have no idea why I would want to do this and like why anybody would want a house like this. And I realize like that's a lot of the world. But then there's a subset of people who are a little bit crazy. And I love that. And they and they and they see this as like the ultimate dream. And, you know, a lot of people are like, that looks like a lot of work. And then there are people who are like, ooh, that looks like a lot of work. And I'm really excited about it. I don't think people go into this completely blindly. I don't think that they're like, oh, I saw this great house on Instagram. Yeah, let's like leave our jobs and move to the middle of Iowa. And like, this will be fun. I think people research, <laughs> research it through. Um, maybe have family nearby or just have for a long time been looking for this kind of project. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if people are going into it super naively.
1: Yeah, just because I read an article covering your Instagram. And it it made it seem like people just saw it and (laughs) went for it. I was like, that's that's crazy. Um, Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) maybe I don't know. (laughs) So inquiring minds are dying to
0: know a question that we don't know if you've ever been asked before. Do you think old houses are haunted? (laughs)
4: Oh my gosh. Well, everyone <laughs> who follows me thinks they're haunted.
1: I. Okay, they're definitely haunted. I wanted to know if you knew, like, different trends in the hauntings. You know, like, Victorians <laughs> are haunted by Victorian ghosts or old farmhouses, old farmhands. Like, do you see these trends? Uh, where are oh the Revolutionary gosh. War ghosts? <laughs> so many questions.
4: <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, uh. <laughs> I grew up in a house that. Half of it was built in the 1700s and the other half, the owner went out West, struck gold, came back, built the front of it in the 1850s. And so it has like, it had a lot of families living in it over time. And there was a, there was supposed to be the story in our house is that there was a baby that was crying in the attic. That was like the ghost that was supposed to live in our house. And I was afraid of the dark growing up and I would wake up in the middle of the night and like do anything I could to not hear that baby cry. Like, I never heard the baby cry, but I was like, oh my God, I can't hear that baby cry. Like, and I would just try so hard to just put that thought out of my head that it could ever happen. And I think consequently, like now as an adult, I just don't believe in ghosts at all. Maybe because I feel that I'm kind of spiritual. And if I went there, I would just fall down a hole and like never be able to be in an old house again because it would scare me so much. (laughs) But I honestly... I honestly don't really believe in them. And when everyone is like, that looks haunted, that looks haunted, I'm like, oh my gosh, please give me an original comment because I've heard that (laughs) so many times. It it could be a
1: friendly ghost. (laughs) Absolutely.
4: But you know what? I've since realized that, like, I think a lot of the people love the haunting part of it. And if that's going to be their their door into this whole thing then like more power to them go ahead think they're all haunted it's totally fine with me
2: a, a jason question here and ghosts are not real full stop so that's my opinion <laughs> all but right Matt. Th- th- there's something in this where it's like okay this house has been around for 100 years 200 years entire families and lives and childbirths and deaths and and graduation like entire lives have existed in this space before you arrived here and were born here. So I I, I wonder, you know, supernatural people are extrapolating that into, oh, it's ghosts, it's haunted, but there is still like a presence to be felt when you walk into an old home of like, oh, someone hung a shelf here. What was that for? And I wonder if that's what that is at its root.
4: I think so. That's my favorite thing about old houses. I love to kind of peel back the layers and think about that stuff you know, we live in a very transient society, we, we typically now move far away from our families, we don't often, you know, feel that kind of strong sense of place. And I think like, I love living in a house that connects me deeply to sort of the history of the area, my country, myself, like the just whole sort of like, life trajectory. Um, And I think that's, yeah, I think that's super powerful. I guess I've never really thought about that before, that that's maybe like what people mean by ghosts. It's not just like a weird, creepy spirit walking around slamming doors all the time to freak you out, but it's like actually just like a feeling of something bigger than yourself.
1: Yeah, it's actually more of a welcome mat situation. I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I also, I grew up in an old house and old houses just tend to be creaky and make a lot of noise and like just feel alive as well <laughs> so maybe yeah. if you're not used to that it, you could read that as being haunted
1: <laughs> well it's just so typical right anything people can't understand they're like it's a ghost it's like no it's just how the floorboards are there in
4: exactly ghost. so yeah oh my gosh the orb comments it's so funny like a lot of these houses have been sitting abandoned for a long time so there's dust all over the camera when you walk in to take the pictures and Everyone's like, but there's orbs in every picture. And I'm like, do I even want to post this? Because I know that's what's going to happen. The comment piece is going to be all about the orbs.
2: <laughs> orbs? So, orbs? Am I hearing you right?
4: Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a dust particle on the camera lens
1: that makes it okay. look like a Like,
0: like an like orb a of light, like around round yeah. dust okay. or something. Yeah. Got
2: it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what are other typical comments that you get?
4: Uh, everybody's tagging their friends. I think that there's okay. like well, that's people good. who... Like do this together, and like they they kind of fanatically follow it because they're like looking for the house, and they it's just cute to see everybody kind of getting excited about houses that, quite frankly, they're like the little it's like the little engine that could of like the houses like you, nobody really notices these houses, and then you put it on an Instagram feed with eight hundred and fifty thousand followers, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's the best thing I've ever seen, and it's like you know it's just these like they're kind of sad looking in a lot of ways, and it's kind of fun to just see everybody rallying behind them. Like someone said something like, let's make a bad financial decision and endless memories together and like tag their friend. And I just thought that was kind of <laughs> summed it right up.
1: Yeah. In, in what other ways is a community forming around this? <laughs> I think the cheap old thing has become a
4: thing on Instagram. Like I said, there's like a lot of copycat fees are selling like cheap old things you know, just in a sense that people are saving them. And every time someone saves it, I post it and then everybody starts following them. So there's a whole group of people that have bought them and are doing it. and So they're inspiring other people to do the same thing. Mm. I mean, if I post a save, like within 24 hours, they have like 30,000 followers and like one Instagram post because like everybody instantly wants to watch what happened to the house.
1: Ah, so there's almost these like sub communities forming every time. First of all, I love that the Instagram feed says, you know, this, the the house has been saved, but so then a community forms around watching the saving of that house.
4: Totally. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. That's cool. Yeah. So people can kind of see the full picture and get the pros and cons. And you know, one of I think Jen, you asked me like, well, what should I look out for when I do it? So people can actually see someone that's actually done it. And then ask them. And there's a whole community. You know, if you are, if you don't know how to do something in this house, you can ask the community. And there's gonna be someone on there who can figure it out for you, or had a similar situation in their house, or restored this, that, or the other thing. Or, you know, it's amazing how many times I post a house and someone's like, Oh, I live two houses down from it. And then everybody's like, Well, tell us about the area. And so wow. It's just crazy how many, you know, it's such a it's such a strong and supportive community. And it's so antithetical to the way we typically think about real estate in this country. I mean, I think people are sick of like home reno shows that just go in and like in two seconds, the house is completely flipped and (laughs) it's all white and open floor plan and like bing, bang, boom, and you leave. And this is kind of the opposite of that. And it's giving people kind of a different outlook on it. Um, that this is like something that you do as like a life goal and you, and you nurture the house and you live in it a long time and you become a part of a community and you give back to the community and, it's so much more fulfilling and satisfying in so many ways than what we're sold typically. And also this idea of like getting yourself into, into major debt when you buy a house, like you should buy a house and you should, you know, buy it at the max of what you can afford and take out major loans on it that go on top of your student loans. And then you spend your whole life like paying off this crazy expensive house and it's nuts. And so people are, you know, if you can buy a cheap house and work on it, like you're getting so much more than that. Ethan and I are like kind of, like into also like other financial movements about just like making yourself debt free and like not, not buying into that kind of typical picture of the American dream. So I think in a lot of ways it's kind of feeds into that whole mentality.
2: Uh, Elizabeth, quick question here. I'm wondering, uh, do you have any stories of people who purchase a home or investigate a home and then they go, they look under a floorboard or they pull back some wallpaper and they they find, find Oh my God. George Washington's watch is here. Like, That's cool. you see, I see this stuff on Reddit all the time of like, this is a time capsule from 1914. And you, you must come across this kind of crazy, awesome time travel stuff.
4: There is some super cool stuff. A lot of people find like shoes hidden inside like fireplaces and chimneys, which is an old superstition that I think came from England that would like scare away witches if you left shoes Um, Mm. because like near a chimney, because that was like an easy entrance to the house. (laughs) That's like something that's very commonly found in houses. There's a woman, Candace Whitlow, and she has a Instagram feed called restoring 502 and she bought her house for $7,000 in Missouri. And she and her husband and son are adorable and they're restoring it. And um, there's a little like quirky small door in their house And they found out that it was built because one of the, this feeds into your hauntings thing. One of the children way back when had scarlet fever and they had to build a quarantine room for him. So they built this like tiny little room with this tiny little door. Um, So they call it the scarlet door. Um, But oh, there's so many stories like that of everybody has, you know, something that they peel away and the older the house, the more you're going to find
1: things like that. And we brought it right back to quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) We did it. (laughs) All right. Well, Well, thank you, guys.
0: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank
4: you so much, guys, for having me.
1: You know, when I first saw this Instagram, I was like, this is nice and did not think there would be any stories. there. (laughs) There are so (laughs) many stories. So
0: many stories.
1: It's incredible
0: um, just to think about all of the spaces in this country, in this world, like, you know, thinking about, um, oh, gosh, the urban exploring episode that we had and yeah. like, yeah, spaces that are just sitting there that are like treasure troves. Um that we could so easily like make something incredible with. But I guess it truly is like the thing about you need time and you need money. (laughs) And that's something like none of us, I mean, mostly time these days, but now more and more
1: people aren't going to have, I I don't know, just your money. (laughs) (laughs) Especially now. Yeah. But it does make me think, because I'm fascinated about, by what are the long-term changes of quarantine going to be Mm -hmm. on a lot of levels. And I think this will be one of them, perhaps. Because it really won't matter, you know, as people, as many people figure out that their jobs can be done fully remotely, they will not necessarily care where they live.
2: Amen. I, I, that was, that's been my TED talk for uh, forever of
1: like. Um, Matt, you don't have a TED talk.
2: No, but if, when TED comes and says, hey, would you want to do a TED talk? My TED talk will be like. Can the internet really save the middle class of like, most jobs are bullshit and can be done remotely and then you can live in Kentucky with your family or whatever and have a beautiful house for $100,000? Like,
1: My problem is I don't want to live in Kentucky and also the price is misleading because it's $100,000 for a house and then it's like half a million to fix it up. (laughs) Yeah, I understand that in some cases you can do it slowly over years, but- Mm -hmm. But do you, you know, not- I do think it's more for people who enjoy fix or fixing up houses like my friend Lauren uh, loves doing that. And in her mid 30s has already done it twice.
2: But, but there's a difference between moving into like a dilapidated, dysfunctional, unsafe home and moving into one that is equally as affordable and completely livable you just it's just like the tiles are ugly or you know the bathroom is leaky you know you can live there for 10 years without. and
1: certainly of course like dumping money in you leave new york and whether it's an old home or not the real estate is going to be a lot cheaper
2: like exponentially cheaper that obviously will make up for the the investment you put in and the labor that you you know you're, you're not doing it you know i don't know how to install pipes. So I'm going to bring in a plumber and that plumber's probably more expensive in New York city than, than here she is in, uh, in, uh, Kentucky. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, um, Ali, so you don't want to live in Kentucky. Okay. Fair no. enough.
1: <laughs> uh, no offense to any listeners. No from offense Kentucky. To Kentucky. I actually just really, I enjoy living in a city. Like I well, don't know that what I, I can ever
0: ask. move to burbs. Mm-hmm. That's
1: not me,
2: but
0: there are cities in Kentucky.
1: Yeah. That's
2: true. Are there?
1: That's true, but there? but what is what is the biggest city in Kentucky? Is, is it like Lexington so or fucking ignorant? Uh, public. <laughs> it's Louisville. Louisville. Okay. Right. And I've I've Ooh. been
0: to Louisville and Louisville's right near the Bourbon Actually,
1: Trail. I, I hear good things about Louisville. Don't they have a yeah. playwright festival every year?
0: Most likely, yes. I mean it's a legit city with like up and coming neighborhoods, that sort of thing. So You know
1: what? Let's buy in Louisville and take it back because everyone's like, oh, my God. Like I was talking to someone yesterday who's like, I should have bought an Alameda before it was cool because now it's, it's in the Bay Area right. and it's like popping. Yeah. We should buy now in Louisville because maybe it's going to be the next <laughs> to Austin. You don't know. Right. You're right, pronouncing totally. it wrong, though. It's Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm serious.
0: The locals will tear you to shreds if you say Louisville.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, what, am I, what are they? Wait, say it again. Say it again.
0: Louisville.
1: Isn't that just the same thing with an accent?
0: that's
2: like someone saying
1: like no no you can't say london you have to say london
2: (laughs) (laughs) it
0: could be i'm not quite sure
2: (laughs) Uh, let me let me reframe the question for both of you what do you want from a city obviously there are cities in every state and every country so honestly i like chaos i
1: like fucking chaos yeah i need a city large enough for constant chaos
2: that's what New York is, and if you love it, then, that's, then you need that New York energy. I do want to be in New like,
1: York, though. Fuck that place. Sure.
2: <laughs> but, like, the, there's, there's chaos in LA, I assume, but like, I don't think Louisville is the same energy that you might be looking for, right? Well,
1: it's not as right, many people. Right, but again, our listeners from Louisville will chime in, let us know. Uh, tweet me. I'm at Allie Gold. Tell me how I'm an <laughs> asshole. That's okay. But what, what do you want to know about Louisville? how chaotic on a scale from one to new york is louisville <laughs> that's what i need to know i think it's,
2: negative four it's distinctly it says, I'm louisville i'm buying yeah
0: <laughs> i do have to say when adam and i went there last year I'm at this buying time
1: with all those jobs that are falling apart in quarantine that totally
0: money. we went yeah. to the bur- we went to the bourbon trail and there was one lyft driver that took us to the bourbon trail took us back it was like an hour drive to the distilleries so it's it, if there's only Wait, one so your lift your
1: Uber driver be, or your lift driver became your personal chauffeur because there were no other lifts to call
0: exactly so maybe that gives you an idea
1: you know what new standard i need a city with multiple lifts that's what i need that's my there's got to be at way. least 103 Lyft drivers for me to live
2: there. I love that there's. It's the one Lyft driver. It's one guy, and he's just sitting at home eating a sandwich until <laughs>
1: yeah. anyone
0: not talks. driving
2: around picking up seven people. He's just waiting in for hours until Jen and, and Adam, uh, yeah and Adam. He come he, in.
0: he also seemed mystified that we were going to the Bourbon Trail, and I'm like, isn't that why a lot of people come to Louisville? <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. <that> maybe <laughs> I, yeah. I guess maybe they have their own cars, but you're also drinking. It's a big old conundrum. So i haven't cracked the bourbon trail yet but it, it was still fun
1: you didn't crack it <laughs> didn't crack it
3: <laughs> yeah
1: all right well i do think Any we go. should we should move to the next austin that's what we should do get yeah. there before it's cool it's a good 10 no. to 20 year investment but whatever yeah whoa there's a house in roswell new mexico that one's not haunted but it's definitely got some aliens
0: I'm aliens yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it might be an alien you wanna, hangar you
1: don't want to yeah. live there <laughs> that's that's where you get anally probed in this house cheap anal probes I'm oh, sorry <laughs> <What>? <laughs> do you want an anal probe for less than a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> Check out this house in Roswell, New Mexico. It could be yours. Free anal probe every night before bed. Ooh, this is a cute house, though. <laughs> Never mind. I was just browsing
2: the feed now. She's Wait, gone.
1: actually, a new way to look at it is you can get a house and an anal probe for 100000
2: that's a, That's a good deal. It's cute well, cabinets.
1: I- I would love
0: to know from our viewers, uh, sorry, listeners, you can't see us.
2: Um,
1: (laughs) So glad you can't. Things are not looking good in quarantine. It's (laughs) rapidly devolving here. Yeah.
0: Um, I would love to know from you all if you have ever bought an old house, preserved it. If you're thinking about doing that, what are you, what are you considering? Okay.
1: Uh, I'm more interested in hearing what you think is the next up and coming city. Get at me. Slide into my DMs. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm at June Bucker, J O O N B U G G E R.
1: I'm at Allie Gold, L L I G O L D. That's
0: on the Twitter. Uh, you can email us at 2G1Podcast at gmail.com, and you can call us. Uh, usually people do that. They leave voicemails. Sometimes they text this phone number, which is also really fun. So if you'd like to leave a voicemail, text us. Please call this number. It is
3: 347-871-6548. That number again, 347 871
2: lit Before we go, don't go. Oh, what? Oh,
1: what, what, what? Oh! Calls from the public, calls, 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 calls. calls.
2: Now I'm sorry to get your hopes up. We don't have a phone call today, but we do have
0: some emails. (laughs) What? (laughs) Awesome.
2: I have one email and one review to share with you today. This first email is from Daniel. Daniel Butt, B-U-T-T.
4: Okay.
2: Daniel says, "Pretty interesting show so far. Going on two days." So perhaps Daniel has been listening to us for two days straight and uh, <laughs> hasn't.
1: Yeah, that can't be good for your ears. Like the, the frequency of my voice for two days straight sounds dangerous. Hang in there, Daniel. We It's not going to be Hang as fun in. after day five. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, though. I'm glad people are binging in quarantine. Totally, totally. I'm going to um, binge one day and find out what I did two years ago because I don't remember. I know. I was listening to an old episode from we were looking at highlights and I was like talking about some date I went on and I was like, literally no recollection who this dude was. Okay. Okay. You have a review?
2: I have a review on Apple Podcasts. This is a five-star review. Thank you so much. From Meg Hart, 92 Blue. Uh, The review says, funny and informative. My job is super stressful. And this podcast just lifts my day. It makes me laugh and also teaches me about communities that I had no idea existed on the internet. I was drawn in by the North American birds episode because Ah. I am an avid birder and I've been hooked ever since. Thank you, Meg Hart.
0: Yeah, Sky Lamborghini. Thanks,
1: Megan.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and the Meg. Oh, yeah. That's
0: an awesome That's review. That's
1: so nice. Again, no matter how many emails and voicemails we get, I still can't imagine that anyone is listening. I feel the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's just us.
0: Yeah, just <laughs> us. Hanging out. Well, thank you so much. Uh, so we just learned that we're great for stress relief. Um, so we hope you keep listening. We also hope you join us in our Discord server. Discord.gg slash 2G1P, where listeners of the show are congregating to talk about shows and anything else they would like to talk about. Um, Please join us there, discord.gg slash 2G1P. Ali, if they would like to visit our Patreon, what is the deal with that?
1: Patreon.com slash 2G1P. If every one of you gave a dollar, I could keep eating. (laughs)
0: All right, don't be dramatic
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're fine, calm down I am fine, I am fine I just, I am an extroverted extrovert And I am ready for a human party Okay which right. I know is not a real problem at all. That's like not even first world problems. It's just asshole problems.
2: <laughs> yeah, yes or no, though. I, I get it. If
1: you want an anal probing, check out this house.
2: Question, though. Uh, extraterrestrials are probably not susceptible to the coronavirus. coronavirus so yeah. if, if you met an alien, like you could hang out with, with that person. And be fine. You don't have to quarantine from aliens probing you.
1: Aliens are looking more appealing by the minute. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Get thee to (laughs) Roswell.
1: That's what I always say. All right, you heard it here. I don't know what it is, but you heard something, and thank you for joining us. <laughs> Bye. Two Girls One
3: podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula, then listed on Zillow as a charming fixer-upper. I mean, produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the podglomerate. This show is a production of the Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. <laughs>
2: The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.
4: Come on, girl, let's do this.